0: I'm Ramya, and this is the Charlotte Storytellers podcast. We're a storytelling group that meets every week in Charlotte, North Carolina, to play silly improv games and workshop stories on a theme. Today's story is brought to you by Dan. So tell me a little bit about your background with storytelling.
1: Um, Joining the Storytellers group was really the first time I would say it was an official um, getting into storytelling. I'd heard of it from some friends, and I had a friend who went, and I just sort of started asking questions, and I was intrigued. Mostly because I have always liked writing, both journaling and creative writing. And then I used to be really involved in retreats, both in high school and college. And a lot of these retreats, you would just tell personal stories. Hmm. So we didn't call it storytelling. We called them just talks. So it's more (laughs) of a talk. But they were based on you know learning and growing, relationship-based. And I always loved those. I was always a leader, and I did as many as I could. I just had always enjoyed them. So I didn't know. I mean, I'd listened to Moth Radio Hour, but I didn't even fully realize that charlotte storytellers is a thing and then (laughs) a friend was like i'm gonna go see my friend perform at charlotte storytellers and i said what is that what is that (laughs) so that's how i learned about it cool yeah yeah now i guess i've probably have gone long enough I can say I'm a storyteller right you
0: totally are yes. the yes. moment you step into the circle you instantly become a storyteller
1: <laughs> okay. Actually, I did.
0: you were always storyteller <laughs> the moment you step in the circle you realize you're a
1: storyteller <laughs> okay I like it I like it I was still waiting I didn't know if there was some kind of nighting ceremony or something <laughs> it's more like a daying ceremony <laughs> oh, very good very good very good <laughs> nicely done nicely done
0: so what was the process like of going from from not really feeling like you were a storyteller mm-hmm. to coming to Storytellers and then actually telling your first story mm-hmm. and then telling your second story.
1: <laughs> it took a little while, especially for that first story, and I went all in with the first one. And I kind of knew, like, that was the story I had in my head to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I came, I think it was at least three or four, four or five times, something like that, to listen to all of the stories. And at first it's pretty intimidating because there's some seasoned storytellers yeah, there. Yeah, really, right. Very
0: practical. Really
1: good. Um, but the only thing I like is the improv games because I did briefly do some improv in college.
0: Oh, so, cool. Yeah, I actually yeah, felt comfortable yeah, yeah. once
1: you started playing some of those games and jumping in and it works. So your your program works. It got me out of my shell. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and then I started writing in my journal the story I wanted to tell and I I don't know if you remember, I, I was waiting a week or two for a theme to come up. Right, right, So right. a week you said, does anybody have a theme? And my arm shot up. Simple. Sorry. I was ready.
0: Let's do it. I was ready
1: to go. It's like, okay.
0: Clearly right. <laughs> someone has a story.
1: Someone has an idea. <laughs> Which would have been funny the next week if you said, I think Dave has a story. And I just went, No. I want to hear what people have to say. Stories about symbols.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I play drums. I really like the symbol. Right.
1: C Y or S Y. Either way, I love (laughs) symbols. If you could bring them and play them while talking about symbols, it's just amazing. But I'm. Nicely done. Nicely done. Thank you. (laughs) You're very welcome.
0: Cool. Yeah. And so your second story is the one we're going to hear today on this podcast. Yes. What was the theme of that story?
1: Well, the theme was blast from the past and the timing of it worked out because it came up just after I had literally taken a blast from the past trip. I grew up in Michigan in a small town. And actually, our, our whole family of four ended up back there. Me oh, and, wow. yeah, so it really was memory lane, more so than we even bargained for. My brother and I, we didn't all ride together, but my brother and I, like, are we going to have to sit in the back seat? Again? <laughs> <laughs> have dad reach around and grab our knees if we're <laughs> But yeah, that was just last, just this May. So um, I was there and, When you're in just a place, you don't even always expect it, right? but all these memories just come rushing back.
0: flooding back, right. Yeah.
1: I happened to be there on weekdays and my plan was mostly just to see friends and they were all working or in school, so as I was waiting for them to get done and to go visit them, I was writing down everything that was coming in my head, so that that kind of formed the story so I grew up in a small town in Michigan called Celine. It was about 15 or 20 minutes outside of Ann Arbor. And I'll put it this way. It was a pretty big deal when we got a Wendy's to go <laughs> along with our McDonald's. <laughs> so it was a very safe and secure environment. For fun, I used to just go over to my friend's houses and spend the night. So one night in the sixth grade, I'm over at my friend Nate McPherson's house. And Nate was the tallest kid in sixth grade, and I was the shortest, so it was Big Nate and Little Dan. (laughs) And he hadn't quite grown into his body and his size, so he was like all points, just elbows and knees and big feet, and his voice had dropped before the rest of ours, and he had this loud guffaw-type laugh. But I loved going over to his house, one, because his parents were rich, just super rich. (laughs) So (laughs) he had this amazing basement. It was like a pad, you know, totally redone, ping pong table, pool table, big TV for video games, mini fridge. The other reason I loved going over there is he was neighbors with another friend of ours, Aaron Elliott. Their two giant backyards backed up to each other's. So for me, it was like a two for one friend deal. Go to one's house, I could go and see the other. (laughs) So this night, Nate says to his mom... Uh, hey, Dan and I are going to go over to Aaron's house. Okay, that's fine. Just be back before dark. So we go over there, and we're having a blast doing what we typically do over there, which is torture Aaron's younger brother. (laughs) The kid was a shit. He always had it coming. And we were having so much fun, I guess, that before we know it, it's dark. So Nate's, oh dear, we we gotta go, we gotta go. (laughs) So we start running, and and Nate's just gangly everywhere, tripping over himself. (laughs) And it's pretty dark, but I can see this little black critter come out from the bushes, and it goes in front of him first, and he bends down, and he says, hey, hey there, pussycat. And he goes to pet it, but it runs by him, and then it comes in front of me, and I feel all of a sudden it was just this strong, warm spray. <laughs> and it was like like straight. I don't know if you're further away, if it's more of a spray, but for me it like went across my body and it was like a strong super soaker. And I could feel the warmness. <laughs> so I don't know what to do, so I just scream. I'm hit. I'm hit. I've been hit. I've been, <laughs> hit. I've been, hit. I've been struck. You're like, Nate, you idiot. That wasn't a cat. That was a skunk. <laughs> I don't know what to do because the smell is so bad but now I'm the smell. <laughs> so I just start running in circles, literally in place and I'm dry heaving. I'm just, urgh, urgh. <laughs> and I throw my shirt on the ground and I'm rolling myself in the grass just trying to get rid of the smell. Meanwhile, Nate's in the grass just rolling laughing with his laugh. <laughs> 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 I'm yelling at him and dry heaving so we get ourselves together and we make it the rest of the way to his house and we're smart enough that we have me wait in the garage and then he goes in and tells his mom what happened so she comes out <laughs> oh my god and she gives me a plastic bag and she says strip all of your clothes off put, <laughs> put the clothes in the bag tie it off so i'll follow her instructions and here i am in the sixth grade totally naked in my friend Nate's garage, doing my best just to cover everything with my hands. And I'm sure it was only a few minutes, but it felt like an eternity. And then I see finally just his mom's hand come out the small crack of the garage door with a towel and she says wrap this around yourself run through the house run downstairs i've made a tomato sauce mixture in the sink rub it all over your body hop in the shower and wash that off so i sprint through the nicest house i've ever been in and i'm thinking (laughs) oh my gosh i'm making their whole nice house smell like skunk i go down there I rub the sauce all over i get in the shower i still smell so my mom picks me up and i get in the car Oh my god. <laughs> we go home and it's the weekend and all I can think is I got to take care of this before school on Monday. You know, it's middle school. So, multiple showers, more tomato sauce, nothing works. It's Monday morning, I still smell. So, I ask my mom if I can stay home from school and she says no. So, I think I have the solution. <laughs> Someone had given me as a gift what I thought was really fancy cologne. I can still picture it, a forest green bottle with a gold top and gold Eddie Bauer cursive lettering. So I pour the whole thing all over myself, and I rub <laughs> it all over my body, and I get in the car, and I ask my mom how I smell. She's mm, good, mm-hmm, good, <laughs> and I suspect that she's lying. But when I get to school, I know that she is because the thing to do in the morning before classes at Sling Middle School was to walk the loop. It was a big square, so you just walked around, I'd like to see and be seen. And as I'm walking, it was like the Red Sea of middle schoolers just parting, And you see everybody just smell like, what's that smell? And I try to play dumb at first. And they're like, I, don't, I don't know. It's weird. It smells like skunk. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, that doesn't last long. They figure out that I'm the smell. And they were aided in that because Nate's telling everybody the story. <laughs> <laughs> so it took maybe about that whole week. But by the end of the week, with more showering, <laughs> more tomato paste, I think the smell finally started to fade away. But I did take with me some things. I learned that if you're ever in the dark and you see a small critter, just stay very far away, as far away as you can. And also that my mom has a sense of humor. Because every year, for several years, i would get skunk-related Christmas gifts. (laughs) I got Pepe Le Pew slippers. I got skunk ornaments. (laughs) I would open these things and she would say, remember? Remember when you got sprayed by a skunk? Yes. I remember. I remember when you made me go to school when I still stank like a skunk. (laughs) So a few weeks later, I'm back in that same neighborhood. And there's five of us this time. It's me... Big Nate, Aaron Elliott, BJ Veal, and Eddie Gall. I don't remember anybody else's costumes, but Eddie had this awesome football player's uniform. He had a helmet, he had a jersey, in the back of the jersey it said Gall. I just thought it was so cool. And the reason we were there was because this is where the rich people lived. So there were rumors that when you were trick-or-treating... If you went there, you would get king-size candy bars from every house. (laughs) So we tried that, but it didn't prove to be true. And what we found (laughs) was you maybe sacrificed a little because in town, the houses were closer together so you could get more quantity. So maybe we stayed out a little later than we should have to try to get more candy. But it felt like before we knew it, we were the only ones out there. And it was dark and there was really nobody else around. So we decided, all right, we better go home. And we're cutting through some of the yards again. And it was just suddenly this hint of danger at least the others picked up on it eddie and i were more oblivious and we looked behind us and about 50 feet back there there's three much bigger guys, high schoolers, dressed head to toe as ninjas, just full outfit, faces covered. They had things in their hand. One had it was either a bat or a pipe or something. Another had nunchucks. I can't confirm nor deny if those were real or fake nunchucks. <laughs> but the others are saying, "Uh, guys, I think they're you know gonna do something." And Eddie and I are just, "They're not gonna do anything. Quit being babies." And then I look up, and it was kind of surreal. I can still picture it. The other three are suddenly fanning out, and they're heading towards the bushes on the sides, and these big ninjas are right behind Eddie and I, and they shove us down. And one of them, whatever he had, the bat of the pipe or whatever, I think he kind of held me for a second. And for some stupid reason, I decide I'm going to hang on to my candy for everything that it's worth. Really stupid. But I hang on for a few seconds. He yanks it out of my hands, and they go taken off running. <laughs> Now the next thing is pretty out of character for me. <laughs> I was pretty much a rule follower, teacher pleaser, parent pleaser, but also was a little bit fiery and the adrenaline must have been going. So without thinking, as they're running away, I stand up on my feet. and I let fly every swear word i can think of in the moment i mean just the biggest potty mouth you ever heard fuck you you motherfucking assholes get your asses back here and give us back our goddamn candy you cocksuckers i know sorry mom and dad (laughs) they hadn't heard that part till now So looking back, I'm lucky after I did that that I didn't turn around and really come back to beat us up. So they kept running, and Nate and the others, they come out, and Nate's going, shut up, Dan. (laughs) And we get ourselves together. We go back to Nate's house, and the others are really nice to Eddie and I. They divide up some of their candy, so we still have candy to take home. And the next morning at middle school, it's much better for me because now we're the heroes, especially (laughs) in Eddie and I's retelling or my retelling. Yeah, there were these guys that were twice as big of us. The rest of them, they went and hid in the bushes, but not me and Eddie. We we took them on for a while, and they eventually got our candy, but we really gave them a good fight for a while. (laughs) As it turns out, that same morning, there was also some boasting going on at the high school. Yeah, so these three idiots, I don't know if they just didn't notice the back of Eddie's jersey or what, but they're in Mr. Gall's science class, And they're bragging to everybody, hey, we took this candy from some middle schoolers and they're passing it out. So Mr. Gall, who was just really tough, said, one of those kids was my son. You you and you, come with me. (laughs) So now we've got them. We know who they are. And BJ's parents start calling all the other parents and they say, BJ's been having nightmares and they like to press charges against (laughs) these guys. I remember thinking... What the heck, BJ? <laughs> and you and know, I were the ones who got pushed down and had our candy stolen, why are you making such a big deal out of this? So the next day at school, I get called to the principal's office, and I'm really nervous because I've never been called, called there before. I, I just don't make the connection. I don't think it's about this thing for some reason. But then I walk in, and it's two men and a shirt and tie, and then they show me their badges, and they even have the little spiral flip notebooks. And I watched a lot of movies as a kid, so I thought my gosh, Celine's finest is on the case of the stolen (laughs) Halloween candy. We got real detectives here. And I sit down and then I get more nervous when they start asking me questions and I'm grasping how serious this suddenly got for these guys that took our candy. I have an awareness of that because I'm trying to tell the truth as best I can. They say, now you say one had a bat or a pipe of some kind, about how long would you say it was? Mm. You say they held you down with it. Did they ever strike you with it? Uh, Yeah, I think so. I can't remember. No, I don't think so. But the other reason I'm nervous is the whole time I'm answering these questions, I have this dramatic scene playing in my head, in my imagination. And it's a courtroom scene. So I'm on the witness stand (laughs) and the, the high school ninjas and their lawyers on one side. And all my buddies and all our parents and all of our teachers with like virtually the whole town behind them is in the courtroom. Right? Like this is a really big deal. And I know where the ninja's lawyer is taking me. He's leading me through the night. And he's getting to the point where I know I have to tell the truth and confess. And he says, so they took your candy and they're running away. And then what did you say? I you know, I put my hand in the Bible. I had to tell the truth. <laughs> so I'm looking at my parents and I say it. I said, uh oh, Oh, fuck you, you, you motherfucking <laughs> cocksuckers. Because <laughs> your ass is back here. goes back our goddamn candy, you cocksuckers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my parents' mouths drop. <laughs> Everybody's shocked. For more emphasis, the ninja's lawyer turns to the dowdy court reporter and has her repeat back. He says, you know, can you repeat back for the courtroom what the minor says? <laughs> She's got the glasses on the tip of her nose yo yeah <laughs> I've just ruined it for everybody BJ's parents are so angry with me <laughs> so of course none of that happened I come to and I make it out from talking to the to the detectives <laughs> but what did happen was that night at home there's a knock on the door <laughs> so anyways we go to the door and there's like an older guy with a tie, and then a high schooler staring at his feet. And the older guy says, my son is one of the ones who stole your son's Halloween candy. We're here so he can apologize, can we come in? So they come in and it's really awkward for the two of us. He's looking at his feet, I'm looking at my feet. We all sit around the table. The dad nudges the son and he mumbles. Sorry for taking your Halloween candy. That was a stupid thing to do. I feel a little better. I'm sitting up taller, mostly because I feel like I'm in the clear. My Tourette's episode is not gonna see the light of day. <laughs> I can tuck that away. And then the dad gets out his checkbook and he looks at me and he says, How much would you say your Halloween candy was worth? Oh I have no idea. And I look at my parents and they kind of look back at me and shrug. So I remember thinking in my head go high, say something higher than you would think it would be. And I go, 75 bucks. (laughs) It's like really big. He gets out his checkbook and he writes me a check for 75 bucks and they left. (laughs) I have to say, um, I don't know, a week or so after the skunk incident, so between the skunk and the ninja Halloween candy robbing, I was on a run and I saw a skunk like way ahead in the sidewalk, but I could tell that's what it was. I dove like way into the bushes (laughs) and I waited forever to make sure it was gone. It just laid there and this couple was walking by and they looked down at me and I don't think they saw the skunk at all. So they just gave me the strangest look. But I didn't care because they didn't know what I had been through. And I can't say I had a similar experience with the ninjas where ninjas ever approached me from behind. I'd like to think if I did, I would hide in the bushes with the rest of them. But in a broader sense, I think I learned from both those incidences just to be aware of your surroundings. That no matter how safe or secure that you feel, it's just have an awareness about you. That, and if you're ever asked how much was your Halloween candy worth... Go high. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Is such a funny story. Thank you. Hilarious.
0: <laughs> You know, I was wondering what that smell was when you walked into the podcast
1: recording studio. Are you saying it's still here all these years later? still skunking around. I always thought people were like, you know, I was handsome. They were giving me double takes. You're saying it was a smell. Great. Well, I mean,
0: they can't speak for everyone.
1: No, it's a smell. I think we've solved it. Oh, that's
0: so funny. That's hilarious. Your voices through the story are so compelling. Especially your Nate voice. (laughs) That's Oh man, we
1: gotta go. <laughs> that's pretty similar, and it's—he he had one of those me. laughs where it would just make the rest of us laugh. You know, he would like pronounce the has. "ha,", ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and then we just all start laughing. Oh my god, that's hilarious! That's pretty great. It's it so great. funny.
0: <laughs> what do you think it is? So through all your, through through both halves of the story. Yeah. There's such vivid detail. Like <laughs> I am transplanted into Celine Machine. I've never even been to Celine Machine. It's a heck of a place. Yeah, I, well, I know. <laughs> Listening to your story, I feel like I'm there. Like there's so much vivid detail, and that is like doubly amazing, given that it's so many years behind right? you. Yeah. Like this happened when you were in sixth grade, right? Middle school, right? Why do you think you remember this Hmm. so vividly and are able to paint such a strong picture?
1: I think that it's just there's certain memories that are so strong. You know, they're like I can have myself in those scenes still. Like I can still see the other guys running towards the bushes. Yeah. I can still see the dad at the door when they knocked. Um, You know, I think there was just such forming memories that they're – so implanted in there yeah and there were also those stories that were good to tell and retell so i don't think they've like grown too much as like a tall tale (laughs) i think i've stuck pretty closely details but i think that helped too to preserve the memory you're
0: like reinforcing the memory yeah and i'll
1: never want like i'll own the things that happened to me like if it's happened to me but it was embarrassing and funny like i'll still be the first one to tell it right so a lot of this as i was writing it it came pretty easily because i realized i'd already had the words from telling the stories i also look back and kind of realized wait I think I was that kid where weird stuff just always happened to me. Like, I was one of those kids. Like Sure. <laughs> yeah. Know. I
0: think, too, with both the ex- experiences, you have, you know, the the narrative of what happened. Mm. But you also have one other sense that really complements <laughs> it. Like, the smell from the first one <laughs> yeah. is, like, a compound. I'm sure every time you smell a skunk oh, now, gosh. that smell yep. comes right, Soosh, rushing back yeah. to you. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, like, the, the um, touch of, like, someone holding something to the back of your neck. Yeah that yeah. kind of thing i think yeah. um they, there's a really interesting like double sensory thing mm-hmm. going on where yeah. you're experiencing the world but you're also experiencing this one particular really strong sense that complements that memory oh
1: yeah i didn't even think about that i do remember like, very i remember them asking me the questions in the principal's office It just trying to be so exact and maybe that's why it's in my memory you know they sure, said because yeah. I, I knew like this could really mean something for these guys like right, right. this could become very serious based on what I say yeah so, that
0: reinforces your short-term memory yeah. at the time into like this very persistent correct. long-term memory correct
1: and he was asking me so then I was trying to picture now, do they strike or hold you down? I think just held me down,
0: you know. <laughs> I gotta really think about
1: this. I one. know. Yeah, I know. I know. Are you, how much more Halloween candy could a kid if they struck me? Probably all of exactly, all that you ever wanted for a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> the other
0: thing that's really fascinating about your story is this role of uh, the swear words that come back. <laughs> yes, and you know that in itself becomes a whole like aspect, like your depiction of swearing in general is a really interesting yeah. characteristic, you yeah. know, as a as a language uh huh. Facet, uh-huh. the amount of emphasis a swear word carries when uh-huh. it's not normally used. And to use that, you, you're sort of like meta about it in your story because <laughs> you use it at the time, but then you use it in retrospect to like drive home a bigger point yeah. about the story yeah. and like who you are as a character within the story. Yeah. So you're doing so much like showing of yourself without uh-huh. telling us. Uh-huh. And I think that's really masterfully done. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's so wonderful. Yeah, it
1: really comes out of being self-conscious. <laughs> it's just sort of like in the moment, letting all those words fly. I I don't know if I fully realized or ever had used them all in a string like that before. (laughs) And then afterwards, the fear that this was going to come out and my character was going to have a big flaw. so funny. It's hilarious. So, uh, yes, uh, that is the part of the story that my parents have never heard. And I have told them about this podcast. So, Mom and Sorry, Dad.
0: Mr. and Mrs. Morris. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you now know this piece you of it. You have to find
0: out yeah. this way.
1: In the story, I make the comment about how that part could get swept under the rug. Until now. Yeah. <laughs> Secrets out. Yeah. The skunk's out of the bag. Oh, good one. Good one. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I oh, hope I didn't stink up the place. Hey.
0: <laughs> you can find the Storytellers on Twitter or Instagram under at clt storytellers that's it thanks for listening in today special thanks to ben rose for composing the sweet intro beats